Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining me today on Michigan Minds, but before we get started, could you please introduce yourself and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Sure, happy to. Um, my name is Mark Clegg. I actually grew up here in Ann Arbor, um, one of the weird faculty who, who grew up in town and, and still teaches at the University of Michigan, so I feel like I've loved the University of Michigan forever. forever. I'm a professor of musicology, which is the history of music, and uh, I also serve as associate dean of the School of Music, Theater, and Dance for collaborations and partnerships. I run the Gershwin Critical Edition um, that celebrates the music of George and Ira Gershwin and co-direct the American Music Institute. So I've, I've been here a while and do a lot of cool things. Michigan is an amazing playground for research and ideas. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so I wanna ask you, in what areas does your research focus? So I focus on music in the United States of America. And, you know, I think what's cool about that is it's not focused on a particular time or a particular style. Um, I can talk about symphonic music and classical music by Beethoven being performed by the New York Philharmonic, or I can talk about jazz created by Louis Armstrong or, you know, uh, rap by one of our, our my colleagues, uh, Deidre Deessen Smith. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty amazing sort of intellectual exploration of looking about the way music has shaped ideas about the United States of America, who we are as a people, what does it mean to be American, and sort of in this conversation through music. So it's it's sort of an incredible range of stuff that, that defines my research area. Absolutely. And that is so cool that it's such a wide range. You are one of the foremost experts on the Star Spangled Banner. So I'm hoping that we can start with a very vague question. Why is it important to study and understand the history of the Star Spangled Banner? Oh, that's not vague at all, at least in my mind. Um, I mean, I started my research out of my teaching. So I teach a big undergraduate class for music majors at the School of Music, Theater and Dance, um, focused on American music. It's sort of like music in the students' lives you know, on music and history at the same time. And uh, one of the things I start the first lecture off with is talking about the Star Spangled Banner, because what's more American music than the Star Spangled Banner, right? <laughs> so I look at Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock and sort of unpacking the complexity of that musical statement, which is both a protest sort of tied in with the Vietnam War and the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. and sort of all the racial tension of the 1960s, but also is a statement of, I think, hope and pride. Um, if, you know, I think Hendrix was excited about the potential of Woodstock by young people sort of having this amazing moment of coming together and, you know, peace, love and, and music. Um, so there's a lot of hope in that song as well, or that rendition. And so um, teaching that to my students uh, led to a discussion about the complexity of American patriotism. And then the questions came up, like, where did this song come from and who wrote it and when? And like, how was it sung like 200 years ago? Um, is it, you know, obviously it was not on a, an electric guitar. So um, we started looking into all these questions. And, and, you know, I think that's the amazing thing about history is when you start digging into it, you find surprising answers that are different than like what I learned as a kid right, about the Star-Spangled Banner, that it was a poem, that Francis Scott Key was a prisoner aboard a British ship when he wrote it, that it sort of comes to him in a flash of inspiration. Turns out that 
those things are sort of true, but mostly not true. It's that mythology and sort of unpacking that. I mean, it turns out Francis Scott Key was on his own American truce ship. Um, he wrote a song lyric, thinking of a specific melody in his mind that he was matching new words to fit. It wasn't a poem that someone else put to music later. And, you know, it didn't like come to him in a flash. It actually took him three days to figure it out. And it's a very carefully constructed political statement about trying to create unity and expressing a vision for a strong nation at a time when the country actually was pretty divided and pretty weak because, you know, the British were harassing cities of the Chesapeake Bay. They, they were had burned Washington, D.C.'s federal buildings, the White House, you know, Capitol building to the ground, and we couldn't kick them out, out of the country, right? So we actually had a very weak military at the time. And so, you know, we sort of became that that international superpower in World War II, but in 1814, when Francis Scott Key writes the song, we're not that at all. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you recently published a book titled Oh Say Can You Hear, which is a cultural biography of the Star Spangled Banner. Can you provide us a brief overview of your book and how it examines the national anthem? Yeah, well, I, I tried to um, signal with the title that it was sort of a fun, readable book. Um, you know, that, yeah, it's academic and yeah, there's a lot of research in there and sort of original, new, fresh stuff. Um, but it's also something that's meant to be accessible. It's a kind of history of America through the lens of the song, The Star Spangled Banner. And that's why I call it a cultural biography. I mean, one of the things I discovered about The Star Spangled Banner in my research was that it's not just one thing, it's actually sort of many things. And it's because it's a song, it's brought to life, you know, in performance. So the flag is a symbol and the, the national anthem is sort of its auditory or, or musical equivalent. But the, the flag is something you look at, it's sort of pretty much unchanging as long, you know, until we add another state anyway, and this number of stars change, but stays pretty much the same day to day. Whereas the Star Spangled Banner is brought to life every time we sing it. And so, the book really is a kind of biography of the, the history of the song as it traces the history of America. And uh, there's just so much in it. You know, it's it's 250 pages, but it it talks about, you know, Francis Scott Key writing the song, where the music comes from, which is actually the music predates the, the lyric. Music's from London, England from 1773 and was actually written by John Stafford Smith, who was one of the, the composers in the, the ch Royal Chapel of King George III, like the guy that we had that re revolution from in 1776. So that's pretty ironic that that, that guy wrote the music for our national anthem. And I, along the way, I exp explore the sort of symbolic power of the anthem to rally troops during the Civil War, um, all sorts of different translations of the anthem, famous performances like by Jimi Hendrix. And then I, I spend a lot of time dealing with the legacy of slavery in American history and the way in which um, that impacts um, not only Francis Scott Key, who was a slave owner, but also a lawyer who fought against slavery in court, but the, the ways in which the song has been um, the basis or sort of the platform for protests, you know, Colin Kaepernick probably being the most recent and most famous. And that, that really inspired me to dig deeper into the controversies around the Star Spangled Banner. And you briefly touched on this, but what led you to the title of the book? Um, well, you know, it's it's like the opening lyric. Instead of "Oh say can you see," it's "Oh say can you hear," because it's a music book, right? And uh, and as I said, I was I struggled with the title. I mean, I think every author is like constantly trying to figure out what their book is about. Um, and I spent like a decade at least writing this book. And so I I also had a title called "Singing Citizenship" that I was thinking about. But uh, my publisher liked "Oh say can you hear" in part because it immediately signals that it's a book about the story of the national anthem. 
Thank you for sharing that. And what would you say is one thing about the Star Spangled Banner that most Americans don't know? Well, I think, you know, most of people I talk to when I give um, presentations on my book think that Francis Scott Key wrote a poem that someone else later set to music. And that's false. He, he wrote a lyric. Um, he wrote a set of words that were meant to be sung, and they were meant to be sung to this exact melody that we use today. I mean, the, the melody has changed a little bit over time, um, you know, in musical details, but it's the same contour. So the high notes like, you know, that you sing that are so hard and people complain, oh, you can't sing the Star Spangled Banner, it's too hard. Um, those high notes are on you know, the words rockets, red glare, bombs bursting in air, right? Those are the, those are the, the moment of, of sort of peak tension in the story that the lyric tells about the Battle of Baltimore, about the bombing of Fort McHenry, and about the heroism of the American soldiers and militiamen who, who protected that fort and saved Baltimore and saved the nation. So um, it's not an accident that those, you know, that the bombs, the big threat is to the the high notes, right? So that's that's the dramatic tension of every verse. And each verse sort of tells a little mini story in the shape of, of well, almost like a novel, like it starts with an introduction that's low, and then it has this high point of tension, and then it resolves. So, so the music and the words are married to one another as an expressive way that I think for Francis Scott Key, you know, captured what he witnessed, this moment of, of hope and heroism, and then tried to, to share that that emotion with fellow Americans, right? So it's, this was all part of a tradition that was super common in the 19th century called the broad, broadside ballad or the newspaper ballad tradition. And I, I sort of compare them to the TikToks of the 19th century. Like, you know, now everybody's making their little songs and then sharing them with the world through these apps. Um, in the 19th century, the way you shared a song was to write a new set of words to a melody that everybody already knew. So imagine like today we would write new lyrics to happy birthday or new lyrics to take me out to the ball game or to the Star Spangled Banner. Um, and actually that just happened. So Amanda Gorman, a sort of national poet who spoke at, at the inauguration of Biden, wrote a set of lyrics to the Star Spangled Banner about the Highland Park shooting on the 4th of July. So that this is a tradition that continues today. And actually we're trying to um, inspire students at the University of Michigan to write new songs for a competition to to encourage their peers to to get involved in democracy I mean not only to vote but to run for office to just to just roll up their sleeves and get involved and for me that's what the Star Spangled Banner is it's it's a call to citizenship it's not like a dead old icon that we do in in only one way it's actually a living you know breathing expression of what it means for the singer and for us who are participating in the ritual to be American. And it asks us the question, there's literally a question mark at the end of the first verse, like almost nobody remembers that, right? It's not an exclamation mark, it's a question mark. It's like, oh, say does that Star Spangled Banner yet wave in the land of free and the home of the brave? And so are we brave enough to be, you know, to sort of live up to our ideals? And, you know, for me, it's, it's an always contemporary and important symbol for us today. Thank you so much for sharing that. And you mentioned a competition for University of Michigan students. Could you elaborate on that, please? Yeah, it's called Songs for Democracy. It runs all fall and the, the submissions are due a week after the midterm elections. Um, it's, it's meant to be sort of a nonpartisan, you know, statement of possibility of, of expressing um, getting involved with the nation as and getting involved with our democracy. It's sponsored by the Democracy and in Debate um, Initiative at the University of Michigan, which comes out of the Ford School and a lot of other schools, including the School of Music, Theater, and Dance. And the prize is $3,000. So that should be motivating. Um, but they're looking for people to write, you know, music and lyrics 
and then to uh, you'd have album art too to work with some of our art and design students. So it's a sort of a team effort um, to to submit. But you know, I think we're thinking of totally original songs, but also songs that might be written just like Francis Scott Key did, right? Taking a melody that people already know and writing a new set of lyrics that would speak and resonate with the student body. What a cool opportunity for students to have. Thank you for sharing that. I wanna change gears a little bit. And obviously we know there's so much history behind the national anthem, but there's so much history that has happened since it was written. So how has the meaning of the national anthem changed over time? Do different versions of the anthem have different meanings? So the answer is yes, absolutely. It has changed over time and the meaning has shifted. Perhaps the biggest change is when Francis Scott Key wrote the song, it was a, a party song. It was a song of celebration of an unexpected victory over a superior British force. And so it's it's upbeat, it's celebratory. It has sort of a rolling triple meter, oh say, can you see by the dawn's early light? We tend to sing it way slower these days, right? And And that's because I think it's social function has shifted. It's now, since the Civil War and the sacrifice of American life to preserve the Union and end slavery, um, it's it's become a, a sacred hymn to the nation. And for that reason, it's more like going to church, right? It's slower, right? And, and in fact, like really famous versions that people say are incredibly traditional are, are in a different meter entirely. They're more like a 4-4 church hymn, like, oh, say, can you see? Like Whitney Houston at the Super Bowl in 1991, right? So that's an amazing version. Check that out on YouTube. But um, so that's changed. The other thing that's changed, as I said, is that there actually are like almost 600 different sets of lyrics that I found in my research that have been sung to the tune we know as the Star Spangled Banner. So there's lots of commentary on what it means to be American. Like uh, there are women's suffrage songs for, for voting rights. There are anti-slavery abolitionist songs. There are union rallying songs. There are, there are songs about, you know, military and, and naval discipline. There are songs about women's rights. There are songs about temperance and prohibition, which was a huge issue in the 19th century. So, um, and there are also a lot of 4th of July songs and there are a lot of presidential campaign songs because like what's at stake, but the identity of the nation when you elect a new president, right? So the in the 19th century, the tune that was associated with the identity of the nation became the tune that you would argue like my candidate's the best one for America. So there are three campaign songs written to the tune that we know today as the Star Spangled Banner that were written for Abraham Lincoln's election in 1860. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, so it has changed a lot. I think in the 20th century, most recently, and, and for us today, it's not about changing the words so much. It's actually about changing the musical expression. And so you know, someone like Jimi Hendrix or Whitney Houston, you know, they insert their own personal identity, you know, for Whitney, I think there's these gospel stylings that, that sort of claim a space for African Americans and Black Americans in American life um, and say, you know, we've been here. So for her, it's both a sincere personal statement, but I think there's a universal statement of belonging um, about the importance of African Americans to our democracy um, in many ways you know, African-Americans demands for rights has been what's held the nation to account to live up to its ideals. So, you know, and Hendrix, as I mentioned, you know, his sort of, it's a youth anthem, right? He's sort of saying it's time for young people to to take over, to take control of this country, to, to get involved. And so I think there's a lot of different meanings that come out of the individual performances of the anthem. And that's that's what fascinates me as a historian. That is all so fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. And with this conversation that we've had today, what is one thing that you hope everyone listening takes away from the information that you've shared? I think, you know, I hope that people when they 
you know, after hearing this conversation, um, when they sing the Star Spangled Banner, that they don't treat it as sort of a throwaway ritual, that they treat it as a moment of reflection. As I said, there's a there's a question mark at the end of that first verse. You know, for Francis Scott Key, it was literally like, is the flag still there? Did the British defeat the Americans and put up their own flag, or is it still the American flag? Um, you know, at that time, it would have been called the American flag. Francis Scott Key's lyric is actually what gives the Star Spangled Banner its name that we often use to refer to the flag and the song today. Um, but I think it's it's really important about that issue, you know, with with the question mark of like, it's a call to citizenship. It's a call for us today to get involved and answer that question in our own way um, to make our voice heard as part of the nation. Thank you so much for sharing that information. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we end our podcast today? Sure, I'll, I'll share a tip. Uh, like one of the um, things I get asked all the time is why the anthem is so hard to sing. And the, the reason for that is that in 1773, when it was the song, the melody was originally composed, it was for an amateur musicians club in London. Um, people think of it as a drinking song and they certainly had a good time and partied a lot. And uh, there's no doubt that alcohol was involved, but it's really a club anthem. It's, it's a club song and not a pub song as, as I will often say, but um, they, you know, they're a musicians club. They're meant to show off how great they are as musicians. And so they wrote an impressive tune that was, you know, that was athletic and challenging to sing. And, but for me that, that, you know, what makes the anthem so exciting is that it's so sort of bold and heroic and independent. I think it sort of wraps into like all those things that we want to hold dear as Americans, right? That we're, we're pioneering and we're brave and we're out to do spectacular, um, courageous things. And uh, so I, I think it takes a little bit of, of heroism to sing the song, but it, it also takes just sort of commitment. So in the 19th century, it would have been sung by a soloist. Now we're singing it, you know, in the big house with 110,000 plus people. So I think collectively everybody can hit all the notes for sure. So just, you know, get up and sing when you have the opportunity. But if, if you are ever called upon to sing the song um, by yourself, the key is to start low, right? So you can get to the high notes as long as you start the opening um, uh, low enough because the the beginning of the song is pretty comfortable for most people and then of course it gets high so if you start uncomfortably low the high notes will be comfortable that is such a great tip to share thank you so much and thank you so much for joining me today on michigan minds it's been great speaking with you thanks so much thank you for listening to the michigan minds podcast a production of the university of michigan Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.